When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everyone? Welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast. I'm Harrison Wind. As always, we are presented by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. If you stop by the DNVR bar, right where I'm at today, right below me, you can get a Breckenridge Brewery Christmas Ale for six bucks all month long. And that's a great deal because I don't know if you've had the Christmas sale. It packs a punch. You have two of those and you're just like, it's like 7%. Yeah. It's sneaky. Good. Yeah, And I can still finish that whole mini cake back there. That's a joke from the nugget show. Um, Guys. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is NBA skills coach, Michael Messer, who's also Michael Porter jr's longtime trainer. I've got an interview with him that we're going to play here in a minute um, that I thought was really great. You know, we Michael Messer has been training MPJ since he was in like middle school. And so he's got a lot of really cool background and insight on just like who Michael Porter Jr. is and how he's gotten to this point in his career um, through the injuries, through everything. And he also just shared some you know cool details about what Mike is like behind the scenes in their workouts during the summer, uh, what he's like when he's working out with Steph Curry and Trey Young, uh, some crazy stuff that he's seen Michael Porter do in the gym. Uh, So it was a really cool interview, and we'll get to that in one moment. To start off this show, though, I kind of wanted to just give the state of the Nuggets through 22 games uh, because this first stretch, I feel like, of the Nuggets season we've finished – And that stretch, it feels like, was highlighted by Jamal Murray being out of the lineup. And with him back, it feels like a new stretch is about to begin. But through 22 games, here's just the state of the Nuggets. They're 14-8, and third in the West. They have the 10th best offense, the 12th best defense. And they've only had their starting five available for eight games. They're 6-2. and Uh, Some storylines from the first 22 games of the season. Like I just mentioned, the first one is Jamal Murray has only played in nine of 22 games. That's probably the biggest storyline to the start of this Nuggets season. Um, Also, just injuries in general. Michael Porter Jr., he missed the whole preseason. His ankle injury has caused him to start a little bit slower than I think some of us expected him. Another major storyline... Reggie Jackson has been a savior with Jamal Murray out. It's funny. You go back and watch some of our Nuggets shows during the offseason. Probably about, you know, right when Reggie Jackson signed. We weren't the biggest fans of the signing. It seemed like more money than the Nuggets should be given him based off who Reggie Jackson was last year. But... Reggie Jackson has been incredible for the Nuggets so far, and he's a huge reason why they are 14-8. and eight. He's having a career season. I mean, he, he's having, like, a career-high efficiency offensive season. He's been just incredible. Another key storyline from this Nuggets season, Nikola Jokic looks like a much better player than he was last year, aside from the career-worst shooting night he just had against the Clippers. Another storyline, the bench, still a question mark, but you can see the vision. I don't think we really know what's going to happen at backup center, but I think we do know that Peyton Watson is going to become a key part of this team. He kind of already is off the bench, but he's going to continue to become a bigger and bigger and bigger part of this team. Um, I say all that to say that last year after 22 games, the Nuggets were also 14-8. and 
So through 22 games, Nuggets have the same record this year as they do last year. Uh, last year, at this point in the season, they had the fourth-best offense in the NBA and the 26th-best defense. <laughs> if you guys remember, last year the Nuggets' defense was terrible all season until the playoffs. We were wondering, like, can the Nuggets flip the switch? Can they actually play defense? And we found that out, I think, in game one, maybe even in quarter one against Minnesota in that first game opening round. Oh, they can flip the switch. But for all the last season, the Nuggets were terrible defensively. They are terrible with Nikola Jokic off the floor. The bench this year has actually been slightly better than it was last year. The Nuggets have actually been slightly better with Nikola Jokic off the floor this year than they were last year. So if you actually take a step back, the Nuggets are in a great spot, I think. 14-8, and eight, third in the West, 10th best offense, 12th best defense through 22 games. And Jamal Murray has only played in nine of those. So all in all, I think the Nuggets are in a great position. Jamal Murray's healthy. Uh, he came back from his latest injury the other night against the Clippers. Nuggets lost that game, but I felt like Jamal Murray looked pretty good. Uh, he'll be in the lineup tonight against the Rockets, who uh, Denver hosts here at Ball Arena on Friday. And um, the bench, I think, is figuring itself out. Like I just mentioned, Peyton Watson seems like he's becoming a bigger and bigger presence on this team. Every single game that the Nuggets play, it feels like he's really coming into his own. We still probably have to settle on a third guy off the bench that's going to be playing in the playoffs. Um, right now, it feels like Piwat is that guy. I think he's got to do a little more to lock himself into the playoff rotation, but he's definitely got the inside track on being that third guy after Reggie Jackson and Christian Brown off the bench. Um, so Denver's in a really good spot. 14-8 through 22 games. And they've got the Rockets at home tonight, who it seems like they play every single game. I think they've already played them four times this season. Um, all right, I'm going to hit a quick break. And on the other side, I'll get to my interview with Michael Porter Jr.'s skill coach, Michael Messer. Really some, some great insight from him and stuff about MPJ that I don't think we've ever heard before, uh, to be quite honest. I want to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook real quick, though. In the NBA, the game can change in an instant, but no matter how the action unfolds, you know DraftKings Sportsbook has your back. This week, new customers can score $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just 5 bucks on basketball. So throw down $5 on Nuggets Rockets tonight. Doesn't matter who wins. You throw down $5, you get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code DNVR. New customers can get $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code DNVR. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after assurance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. Also, shout out to Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. The beer of the month here at the DNVR bar is the Christmas ale. Six bucks all December long. Gets you in the holiday spirit. Gets you drunk as well. So it does two things there. Uh, if you don't know where to get Breck Brew, check out the Breck Brew beer locator on their website. All right, without further ado... Tiff, let's uh, roll that interview with Michael Messer, Michael Porter Jr.'s NBA skills coach. I think you guys will enjoy this. All right, joining me on the Denver Sports Podcast, Michael Messer, NBA skills coach. Um, he trains a lot of NBA players. One guy that we're interested in that he trains, though, is Michael Porter Jr. Um, Michael, thanks so much for coming on uh, the, the Denver Sports Podcast and giving me some time, man. 
Of course. Yeah, Harrison, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, it's always, it's a fun time of year for, uh, for all of us, I know, with, um, you know, this time of year, most of my days are either traveling, you know, in a lot of airports and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of Zoom calls, FaceTimes throughout the day with, with my NBA clients. And then, uh, you know, most nights are three or four basketball games, you know, watching those, breaking those down. And uh, so, yeah, love to talk about it. It's uh, it's it's a fun, it's interesting. My, I know a lot of people have questions about um, my job, guys like me, because it's a thing. It's honestly a thing that 15 years ago wasn't really mm-hmm. a, a thing. Um, but in the last 15 years, you know, sports, especially professional sports, has become a lot more individualized as far as um, resources go, training goes. Uh, it's it's not just good enough anymore to show up to practice, work hard, get extra shots up. There's there's a whole lot more that goes into, you know, the analytics side of things, the film study, and then as far as off-season, in-season development, tweaks, all that stuff. So, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting job. It's fun. There's a lot of a lot of guys that I get to work with and of course like you like you guys are, you know, focused on today, Mike is Mike is the client, my NBA client I've worked with the longest. Mhm. I mean, there's so much there that I want to get into. Um First, though, I mean, your background, I'm always curious how, like, guys in your position get to be NBA skills coaches for specific players and how you took that route. So um, what what's just kind of your background and how did you, I guess, just arrive at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think that the uh, – to answer that, it usually – the question that most people usually have when I – explain what I do. People go, did you play in the NBA? No, I did not. Um, but, uh, as you know, some of my former, you know, current and former clients and different people have, have pointed out, um, on my behalf when having these discussions with teams or management or coaches, uh, you know, Phil Jackson didn't have to be better than Michael Jordan to help Michael Jordan get better. Um, he just had to help Michael Jordan become a better Michael Jordan. And so my, mm-hmm. my role with a lot of these guys, uh, it stems from the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm a basketball junkie myself, grew up um, playing the game, always around the game, played Division One college basketball at uh, SIUE, which is Southern Illinois, um, Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville, um, which there's been some conference realignment. But when I played, that was with um, schools like Murray State, Belmont, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of those kind of NC tournament teams. Uh, but yeah, had a successful, you know, division one playing career, um, was going to play overseas, even signed with, uh, an agent was in Las Vegas, um, during the, at the same time as the, I can't remember if the schedule is still aligned, but at the, at the time, at the same time as the NBA summer league, you would have, uh, there was something called the global basketball, uh, summer league, which was an international summer league that was going on for like the same, um, 10 days, two week time period. And, um, yeah, the story of how I got into training was, you know, I was training, preparing myself to go play professionally overseas and was down there with my agent and was, and, uh, in before in actually practice before the very first game, we're mm-hmm. doing some two on one fast break. I come down someone's ankle, um, end up being on crutches, couldn't play the whole week, find out later I had a slight tear of a ligament in my ankle. And so then it was like, all right, I've been preparing to go play overseas. Uh, I got to sideline that at least for now as I rehab and, and um, prepare to hopefully make, you know, make that transition next year. But then I thought, what is, what is it that I actually want to do long-term? Because overseas basketball, it has its pros and it also has its cons. There's, sure. there's people who thrive over there and there's, there's a, uh, some good, some good money to be made. And also some, some leagues where you end up, you know, uh, sorry, I know you played for us all year, but we don't have money to pay you at the end of the year, that type of a thing. So um, I kind of knew what I was getting into with that route and knew that I didn't want to necessarily do that long term. Um, And uh, yeah, so at the time, um, I actually got connected. It's funny, I'm, I am familiar with with you guys and and your guys podcasts. uh, Mm -hmm. We follow I know we follow each other on social media. So you'll definitely know this, this name I'm going to bring up. Um, But I got uh, a friend of mine um, from St. Louis who's a couple years older than me is Drew Hamlin. Of course. uh, Yeah. And, uh, and uh, um, 
Drew, uh, so Drew and I actually played each other in college. We were in the same conference too, because he went gotcha. to Belmont. I went to SIUE. And <clears throat> Drew was already doing his training thing. He was a few years ahead of me, had, had already kind of built up a clientele. And Drew, um, Drew and I got reconnected after I got injured. I saw him, ran into him, was just picking his brains about the actual business side, training side. Like, what does it actually look like day to day? How do you get in mm -hmm. and step into that sort of world? And, um, yeah, so Drew, uh, helped me get started. He, he, uh, you know, said, Hey, instead of going to play overseas, you know, why don't you try to a similar route that, you know, that I, uh, that I, that I've done here, here's, I can just kind of, you know, show you some things I think I've learned so you can, you know, get, get started. And then basically you're kind of off running, doing your own thing. Um, and so that's actually the, the way I got started. And, uh, so, quickly that that first couple of years turned into you know uh free basketball workouts for right. local i at the time um so my training with mike because this is kind of connected here um yeah that was gonna mike be my next I, question when did you start working yeah, with mike because my story and his story are very intertwined mike uh mike and i knew each other before we ever started training together uh mike actually played um I want to say probably through it wasn't with Mocan because then they split on different teams. I want to say maybe through like 14 and under AAU mm -hmm. uh, Mike and my youngest brother played on the same team. Okay. And so uh, we, and we've been close. So my, my parents knew his parents growing up, there was this relationship kind of established there. And at the time I was like a college basketball player and he was a uh, entering high school when we like started spending a little bit more time together at those tournaments and everything. Um, and then when I graduated quickly, it was like, Hey, Mike, you know, let's Mike, I think was a sophomore in high school at the time. And, um, you know, at the time he's a sophomore in high school, I'm a trainer just getting started. It was like, Hey, I'm not looking for anything in return here. Let's just, you know, we have a good relationship. Do you want to get some work on the court together and just did a bunch of free workouts and was just, um, you know, a part of his, uh, again, I always like to preface Mike was the number one player in the country before I met him. So, uh, <laughs> we all know how good Mike was in, in high school. So that is, that is his doing. Um, but yeah, so we, we got training and, and then that led to me training pretty much the entire Mizzou basketball team. When, when he actually went to Mizzou, um, training his brother, Jonte, uh, those relationships have, have led to, um, some different guys. I know Tyler cook used to play on the nuggets, Tyler, Right. Tyler and I actually started training together right after the bubble and uh, kind of right when he parted with the Nuggets. Um, and then uh, and then, yeah, fast forward, you know, it's now I'm working with, uh, you know, some of the main guys I work with, obviously, MPJ, uh, OG Ananobi is the other kind of really main um, as far as big name guy. And then I also work with O'Shea Brissett on mm -hmm. the Celtics and uh, and then a handful of other guys that would consider um that would probably consider me as like a part-time. Those are guys, those three guys I just named are guys that like, if you ask them, they go, who's your trainer? And they point to me. Um, so pretty much do all their film work, all their off-season training. And then a handful of other guys that if we're in the same city or maybe every summer when we go to Los Angeles, we connect and do a few weeks of work or do some film throughout the year. Um, but yeah, it, it, the job really started from playing basketball. Okay, now I, it kind of abruptly got cut short what do I want to do long-term? Uh, this looks like a career I could do even when I'm older and the body is not keeping up as, is is uh, you know, as it did when, it, when I'm 21. And yes. uh, so, yeah, then it's, that's kind of how it, I'm uh, happy to answer more questions about it, but that's kind of the overall story of, of how it started. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Where are you based out of? Are you, you in St. Louis? St. Louis. Yes. Okay. My wife and I and our two kids live in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, most of the time this year, um, it's, it's travel to everybody. Mike is, so again, the MPJ connection, uh, Mike is obviously his, most of his family still lives in Columbia, Missouri, yep. uh, where Mizzou is, which for me is about an hour and hour and a half away. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, so there's, uh, so, you know, it, it led to kind of easy transition into workouts. And then obviously now I travel to them to Denver and to, to where else we need to go to get our work in. But, uh, yeah, St. Louis is, is the home right now. 
So that kind of leads me into my next question. Obviously, in the summer, you know, he's out there, he's back home. You guys are probably working way more day to day. But during a season, how much, you know, communication is there between you guys? How much back and forth is there? How much are you flying out to Denver to to visit him? Um, what's just kind of the day to day like with him during the season? Yeah, right now, this time of year, uh, it's you know, we're communicating every day or every other day. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of communication, um, a lot of film work as far as, um, you know, it's, it's always, it's interesting. There's film work looks different, different points in the season. You don't need to, after every single game go, okay, here's, here, you know, you don't need to hammer home little points after every single game. But most of our film work right now looks like, okay, let's identify some trends, some things that we want to clean up. If we have a few games in a row of, of, um, some bad habits or, or some, you know, statistical drops because of certain decision-making or style of play. We want to make sure we correct that before it becomes like a multiple week long thing. Um, but then also just, Hey, here's, here's six plays from last night's game that I want to reinforce to you to keep going to. These are, these are things you're having success with. Let's, let's keep going here, but then also look at your reads next time when this defender comes over, here's your read little points like that, where it's, our film sessions sometimes in the off season might be sitting down together and watching full games together and watching a lot of film where right now these guys have such a busy schedule and they have so many guys in their, in their ears already just with coaching staff and everybody that mm -hmm. it's like quick hitting reminders before game or quick little feedback post game to make sure that uh, one, their confidence is always at a, at a very high level because these guys go as their confidence goes, even for a guy like Mike, um, you know, when you, we all know and we can see it in, in the body language and, and uh, the energy level and the smile on his face when he's feeling it and he's feeling good yeah. versus when it feels like every single shot, whether it's a make or miss, like feels like, you know, uh, feels like it's make or break. That's when he's not necessarily at his best. We we I think all of us, you, I know you guys included like an MPJ that that's, that's, uh, that's feeling good when he's feeling good. The whole team's, the whole team's usually rolling and a lot of, a lot of blowouts happen when MPJ is playing well. Oh, we like when he's taking yeah, Mike threes. Do you know what a yeah, Mike three is? I, I am. So <laughs> what's funny is I don't know if I know the, uh, the origins of it, but I, okay. I, I'm on, I'm on Twitter enough to, uh, or X or whatever it's called now. Uh, whatever. Enough to, yeah, yeah. Uh, to have seen the Yeah Mike memes, uh, I can say because I've been with him in person that he is he has seen uh, he has seen those. Those are very funny. I think. Okay, he's going, he's very aware of the Yeah Mike. He's aware. Movement. He's aware. Okay. I, I think he has even seen. I don't even remember who to give credit to. This because this could have been a couple years ago now. Um, a particular one that I want to say was like, you know, photoshopping, uh, someone receiving like a presidential medal of honor. And it's like <laughs> Mike giving a medal to himself. That I know was, exactly uh, the one you're talking about too. <laughs> that, that got, that got a full laughter out of, out of both he and I, I think we saw that post-workout and it was, it was, I'll, I'll explain um, the origin though. Um, yeah, it was in the bubble and it was against the okay. Clippers and he hit a dagger three from the right wing. What was it? Like two minutes left or something, Kale? Yeah, and it was. Early. Yeah, he sizes him up. He waits. It was early. It was early in the shot clock. It was contested, <laughs> and somebody asked him after the game, "What made you shoot it?" And he said, "Something told me to shoot it." <laughs> and so now, whenever right, he takes right. like a, a no doubt, no hesitation three, we call it a yeah, yeah Mike three. Yeah, that is that is. I remember the play exactly. He's, yep. he kind of looks down, even like sizing up and you can just tell in his head, he's thinking like, you like, all right, I'm yeah. doing this. And he hits it. And I, I remember the bench's reaction running over it. Cause I think they called an immediate timeout. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that was a, that's a fun moment yeah. there. Can you take me inside what, uh, Michael Messer, Michael Porter Jr. Workout looks like. I imagine there's a lot of shooting. Um, yeah. I imagine you guys work on a lot of other stuff too, but can, can you take me inside what one of your guys' workouts looks like? Yeah, it's, uh, the, the workouts I think have transformed, um, over the years. Um, you know, when he's younger, it's, it's, you know, you're trying stuff out, you're kind of, um, 
you know, uh, you know he's, you're, you're kind of trying to mold certain things and be like, okay, this is kind of the trajectory or this is the thing that we're, we're trying to add long-term to your game. Where right now, um, we're certainly adding things. I mean, I think everyone's noticed that he's, he's getting to the rim more this year. That, is, that has been mm-hmm. a very big focus in the offseason. Um, trying to even get to the mid-range a little bit more, especially that free-throw line jumper on some of their actions of not hesitating on it, getting to the spots and just rising up. Um, so, but so, yeah, the, the workout itself, to get really detailed, looks uh, – it's a combination of things. One, we're usually trying to uh, – you know, address some of the things that we, we think, okay, if this season is to go how we want it to go, if we're to accomplish both team and personal goals, what are things that we need to be able to do this year that we couldn't do last year? Um, that's an important thing because obviously we're not trying to just stay the same. All, all these guys, other teams are getting better, other players are getting better, and, and Mike is a very driven person who wants to keep getting better. So we look at some of those things. We work on some, so like some specifics this year, again, some off the dribble um, out of the, out of the dribble moves, how to, uh, specifically get to our spots efficiently because not everybody mm-hmm. needs to, he, he might, doesn't have to over dribble. Um, uh, but he's shown in some of his games recently that attacking closeouts off the bounce also just a little bit of what we call this hang dribble where Mike loves that left to right pole, where he's kind of got that ball hanging in his left hip pocket. And at the last second, he decides either pull up or drive, or lately he's started adding a little bit more of the crossover, which we've been working on just kind of out of that same motion that freezes your defender, gets your eyes to the rim. So we work on some detailed stuff off the dribble like that. Mm-hmm. Um, for shooting, the thing with Mike, and, and again, the numbers, I know it's funny because uh, if you were to ask Mike right now, and obviously we we're, we're talking constantly, um, He's still like, ah, oh, man, if I could just be, you know, if I could just be hitting my outside shots a little bit. And I'm like, dude, you're back to like 40%. <laughs> like, I know. Uh, yeah, is, I was just again, looking at his stats today and yeah. he's right under 40% right now, even though it kind of feels like he's started yeah. a bit slow. For sure. I mean, because this is a guy who we've seen him shoot, you know, what, 44.5%. Yeah. This is a guy who for a career in healthy seasons, he's never shot below 40%. So uh he's one he is undoubtedly one of the greatest shooters in the world so when we go to our workouts it's not just like hey how do we just get a bunch of high volume shots up that's that's part of it but it's how do we refine and uh get better at some of the shots that we used to miss which are which are some things that he's even kind of focusing on right now which is sometimes it might be a a balance correction um leaning shoulders and chest too far back which is leaving his shot short a little bit uh, maybe not finishing the shot all the way where he's kind of poking at the ball instead of mm-hmm. holding the follow through all the way. Um, but the workout itself usually looks like pretty intense. Uh, when we get to the shooting portions of the workout, they are very unlike other than I'll say o- OG is like this as well, which OG right now is, I mean, shoot, he's shooting 41% from, from three. Uh, and that's not even necessarily the thing he's obviously, he's obviously known for being an all world defender. Um, yeah. But OG and, and OG has now picked up these things that Mike and I have been doing for the last few years of these really intense shooting challenges where we're no longer going through workouts, going through spots and going like, okay, shoot till you make five or shoot till you make 10 or shoot because, you know, Mike's competitive and these guys thrive in competitive environments. And also just from a, you know, a process standpoint, uh, if you go 10 for 20, in an open gym, no defense game. So that's not very good. Um, sure. Or 10 for 30, obviously not very good at all. Um, so most of our things have limitations and caps on them of, here's an example, like Mike does a drill uh, every day this summer, we would finish our workouts with a shooting drill where Mike has to make 50 NBA threes um, without missing two in a row. Okay. This is two in a row. We immediately start, he, he, he immediately drops the ball does a few down and backs to get his heart rate up even more. Cause now he's got to continue doing the drill even when he's tired. And we start all the way back to the beginning. Um, so there's been times, there's one time this past off season where he got to, I think 48 makes. So he got to the last spot because it's like 10, 10, 10, five spots around. He got to 48 makes mm-hmm. had just made 38 in a row. And then he misses back to back and, and it's start over, go back. We're doing that again. Um, so things that are, you know, creating high pressure moments in workouts uh, as far as like the, the 
the internal pressure, not just defensive pressure. Obviously we do that, but um, putting weight on every shot so that Mike doesn't ever lose focus. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's been the big transition over the last few years is how do we, you know, we all know even some of the best players, even like Steph and these guys, you know, when all of a sudden he gets that look in his eye and he's like, all right, now I'm locked in. Or if he misses a few and he gets kind of loose and then he refocuses and goes, okay, now, now I'm locking in. Um, so Mike and I had a lot of conversations of, hey, how do we – you're already one of the best shooters in the world. You're – you know, as each year progresses, you're getting higher and higher on the scouting report as far as don't let this guy just shoot open catch and shoots. Okay. Uh, we know you can rise up and shoot over guys. We want you to continue taking those because those are good looks for you. Um so how do we, one, create some more separation to get easier looks when defenders are up into you? But then also, how do we train you mentally to continue uh, just to never lose focus and not have to flip the switch of like, okay, now I'm back into it. So all of his workouts have that element of, you know, there's a punishment if we miss and we got to start over. Or he does, our longest drill we do is about a 30-minute drill where he has to make 250 NBA threes. Uh, and the it, the way it works is he has to make 20 in a row. He has, or he has to make 20 at five spots around the arc. Then he has to do 25 from four spots, deep threes off the dribble, where he has to make a dribble move and shoot, dribble move and shoot at, at, at kind of like the slots and the two wing spots. Mm-hmm. And then the last round is rapid fire, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 50, as fast as you can. But we have a rebounder and we have multiple guys tracking his makes. And if he misses below a certain percentage, so like for him, he's trying to shoot over 75% in that drill. Um, and if, he's, if he shoots below 75%, misses more than 90 shots in that workout, uh, we start the 30-minute workout or that 30-minute drill over again. So he's, he's, a, he's a crazy worker, uh, which makes it easy for guys like me to – to push him because he wants to be, he wants to be coached. He wants to get better. He knows that there are things that he's still adding to his game. He knows that there are things that he's still strengthening in his game. And the workout looks like you would expect, which is uh, very few misses. Yeah. Uh, very few misses, especially we had a workout a couple years ago where um, we were in Los Angeles and it was, um, I was there with MPJ and Trey, Trey Young, who's a good friend of Michael's. They played on the same OCAN sure. team growing up. Yep. And, and Steph Curry. And Steph was there with his trainer, uh, Brandon Payne. And mm-hmm. we did kind of this group workout between the three of, you know, the, the two of us trainers and the three guys playing. And uh, there were <laughs> those nets were destroyed at the end of the day when you had Steph, Trey, and, and MPJ uh, shooting imagine. for about an hour and a, hour and a half. Um, so, yeah. What's like the craziest thing you've seen him do in a workout? Like, is there a number of shots you've seen him hit in a row? Um, I I just think back to when I watch him, you know, the, the little we get to watch of Nuggets practice and whatnot, and we we watch them shooting at the end of it, and, like, I could watch Michael Porter shoot threes forever. It's just, it's just so beautiful, but he's just, like, knocking in 20 in a row. But that's all mm-hmm. we get to see. Yeah. What's, like, the craziest thing you've seen him do? Oh man, yeah, he's done some uh, some wild things um, multiple times this year. Which is when, when we're our schedule. Uh, usually, Mike and I are training in um, like near the end of the summer. We usually go to Los Angeles for a few weeks, um, just a change of scenery. Get out of Missouri a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get together with some of some of the Nuggets teammates that are usually hanging out down there and then also some of his other buddies uh, and playing some runs and stuff. Um, but Mike, I've seen multiple times at the 50 in a row, the 50 drill, I've watched multiple times at the end of workouts with guys in the, in the gym, like you know, Jason Tatum, um, KD, because some of these guys, we work out at the same gym where uh, – you know, we're, we're about to be done with the workout and uh, Mike's like, Hey, let's get a little more shooting in. And we, and we do the 50 drill and he wants I think he wants to do it because he knows some people are watching and, <laughs> uh, and he'll just, uh, on, on the very first try, you know, passing the ball and he goes 50 straight and just beats the drill. Doesn't miss a single shot. God damn. And, and, uh, he does it. And then like he gives a high five, acts like it's nothing. He just kind of, you know, he'll finish 
all right, let's go. We'll get out of here. And I'm just like, dude, like, the, <laughs> so that's the reason why, um, that's the reason why we do some of those things to continue to, uh, keep that mental intensity, the mental edge, because he has things like that in him mm-hmm. that when his, like, he does that because he knows like, okay, yeah, some guys are watching and, and just internally, like, not even just, I mean, all these guys, when they're in the gym together, want to show, Hey, can you do this? Can you do this? And, oh, yeah. uh, the fact that he can, can flip that switch and do that is just, is just wild. I mean, there's also crazy, there's so many crazy things going all the way back to high school and, and everything that he's, I mean, he's the Mike and I knew each other uh, again, they, he and my, uh, my youngest brother played on the same AAU team and, uh, this is a young MPJ story, but Mike and Mike and Jonte were both on my brother's AU team. And one week they had some travel or, or something where both Mike and Jonte couldn't come, couldn't come to this particular tournament. And uh, I remember cause I was there. Um, and you know, my brother's team played this team, the best team in the tournament got blown out by like 20. And they were just like, Oh dang, if Mike and Mike and Jonte were there the very next week, they play the same team in a different tournament. The only difference is they added Michael and Jonte, and they won by forty-five points to the <laughs> exact same team. Um, yeah. So I mean, I mean, this was back in seventh and eighth grade. Mike's already he's windmilling and warmups. He's doing just stuff that you're like, that's not. Yeah, you know, everyone's like, there's no way there's a seventh grader. You're like, oh, he's a seventh grader. And he looked really young and baby faced, and he's seventh grade, and he's at the time was like six four probably, and he's already mm-hmm. a seventh grader. Um, windmilling. By the time he's like eighth grade, he's like six six. And then he gets yeah. high school and he's like six, nine, six, ten. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's so many stories as far as what he does in workouts that are, uh, again, a lot of them shooting related. I've also seen him play ones against some of, I won't throw out any names because I don't want guys to, to look bad like other guys in the league, but he's played ones against guys that you would be like, Oh, he's, he's beating that guy. And, uh, and he'll do it and look and do it pretty handily because you just, you know, defensively, there's all, there's very few guys. OG might be one of the guys because he's just so long and strong too that can can give a good contest on Mike. No one can really contest that shot with how much he elevates and, and his his ability to shoot. For sure. You mentioned um, you guys worked on getting to the basket more over the summer, and like we've clearly seen that this year. We talk about that on the show, the post game show, all the time. How it clearly seems like he's trying to get to the basket more. Um, he pulled out a move. I think in a, a couple games ago where he did like a, a hop step, step back to his right, which I've like ne- <laughs> never seen before from a, uh, from like a right-handed shooter. Um, how would you just describe like his work ethic? Because you're behind the scenes with him more than anybody. And like, he's been through so much. I mean, you've been with him since um, mm-hmm. like middle school, but he was the number one recruit goes to Missouri, the back surgeries, getting drafted, working his way up with the Nuggets. Um, I mean, there's a lot there, but just like his work ethic, you see it more than anybody. Yeah. No, I think that uh, Harrison you hit on a great point there. Of It's so easily, it's so easy to, especially when he's healthy and moving and doing the things he's doing to um, almost take for granted the fact that like, this guy had three major back surgeries and it's not that people don't talk about it cause they do, but I do think, I mean, even myself as someone who's been with them well before any of those injuries, uh, and then obviously has continued with them throughout in some of those really dark days. Um, you know, the last time he got, he, that, the last time he had gotten injured, I was actually at that game in the arena ball arena when he, when he went on the fast break and, mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, came up limping. And then obviously we know what happened after that. Um, the mental strength to go through those serious, uh, to one, be it like the mountaintop of, again, as far as you can be, as far as a high schooler, uh, you know, from the time he was a sophomore, people were having conversations. Is he the best high schooler in the country as a, as a yep. sophomore? And I remember that because Michael and, and Jason are, are good friends. And Jason's obviously from St. Louis and Jason's high school is 10 minutes from 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 me um and i know jason well and, and see him a lot jason tatum and um you know the conversations all the way back then are like 
you know, is it, is it MPJ or is it Jason? Is it, the, and like, these are, and obviously we've seen what Jason has gone on to, to, to do. And is, you know, number one guy on, on one of the contending teams, um, the mental strength it, it takes, but also the competitiveness and fire to each time those hurdles and obstacles come, it'd be very easy to get down on yourself and be like, well, this is it. It's, it's over or, or just, man, I'll never get back to that or I'll never do this. And what Mike has done each of those times, like, yeah, there's, there's definitely a, there's, there's moments where it's really hard when the immediate mm-hmm. you know thing has happened. Um, but his drive and his competitiveness and his work, I mean, he's a gym rat. I mean, I think, uh, you know, coach Malone has said it going back to, uh, you know, obviously you hear Calvin Booth, all these guys, they're like, if, it's hard to get him out of the gym. Sometimes you have to coach. I mean, in the off season, there's days where, especially given some of his medical history, where both uh, myself or um, uh, his, his manager's strength coach, uh, his personal uh, strength guy, Nicodemus, who goes with him in person to a lot of his games, have to be like, hey, dude, I know you want to get shots up today or we got this, we need a day off. Because yeah. he is just like, and then he'll he'll immediately push back and be like, no, because I know so and so is not taking off, not taking off. I'm like, but dude, they also haven't gone through what you've gone through. We need to, we want to make sure we're smart about this, and that doesn't mean don't work as hard as possible because he works crazy hard. But I think he's gotten a lot smarter the way he works. Um, I mean, he's very. I mean, he always has been good about taking care of his body, but especially with the, you know, with the things he's gone through. Uh, the diet is tightened up. The the mm-hmm the workouts are very specific. We're, we're constantly watching, uh, and even putting him through things, knowing like, Hey, this is a day that is, uh, uh, you know, lighter on the body. This is a day when we want a little more physical contact. This is, here's the, the days throughout the, the off season in Los Angeles, where we need to, we need you to go play in these runs because we need your body to go through that and to be, you know, going through all that. And then also, uh, we're going to get so much work in Mike and, and, uh, and he gets, he gets, he works as hard, if not harder than any of the NBA guys that I know. Um, but it's, it's, it's funny as hard as he works, he always wants to do even more. And so you have to, you have to kind of, uh, you know, be, be that person sometimes that have hard conversations, uh, and be like, Hey, let's attack it even harder tomorrow. Uh, today we got it. We got to go ice down. We got to make sure we're taking care of ourselves. I've asked Calvin about Mike's work ethic a lot. And he's said, championship level work ethic and he, he doesn't yeah. say that about everybody so i mean it's it's true the last kind of bigger question i've got for you is um something a really cool story over the last year or so has been like mike leveling up as a defender um and him just really buying into his role and doing what the nuggets need him to do and I mean, you know his story better than anybody. Former number one recruit who was like one of the best scorers ever in high school. What's been your take about how he's kind of um, he's kind of pinpointed his game a little bit? I feel like to play alongside a couple other great scorers and Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, and he's on a team with so much talent. Part of me thinks that. Like in other situations, he could be scoring like way more. Um, even with the Nuggets, he could be looking to score way more. But over the last couple of years, it seems like he's placed such an emphasis on just doing what the team needs him to do and filling the role the Nuggets need for them to win a championship, which is which is obviously what happened. What have you thought about just kind of that part of his development? Yeah, he's done. He's he's done a really great job. It is a very hard thing for players of any caliber when they enter the NBA. Um, and I know Mike has said this before, and it's a really good point. Um, had he not had the back injuries, he does not end up on the Nuggets. Uh, yep. He does end the number up one on pick. contending teams. It, that's, that's, uh, so, but the, the blessings that go along with that is, yeah, he wouldn't have a championship right now, very likely, unless some of these other teams would have, you know, made some moves that he would have gone to one of the, one of the weaker teams. And uh, so there's always an adjustment when you go from a guy who's like, I've always been the guy, but he's always been the guy on like the highest, the highest level. He's not just the guy on his team. He's been the guy that when he was 15 years old, we go to an AAU tournament 
and people couldn't sit and couldn't find a place in the stands because people would go an hour early just to watch him. Yeah. Um, so there's a level of, of uh, exposure to fandom and almost and like even in small doses then, but even bigger in college and obviously now the NBA, like fame at a, at an early age when you're feeling invincible on top of the world. And then you have the injuries and you also though go to a team that has Jokic, Jamal uh, at the time, you even had, obviously you had Paul and uh, Will Barton and, and Gary and these other mm-hmm. guys who had been there for a while. And um, he's done such a good job, fast forwarding to today, he's done such a good job of as his body has gotten healthy, kind of dialing the different areas in which, uh, and again, he's still continuing, I think. I think there's still areas just being transparent where I think he can continue to be more aggressive, um, which I think in the past that was, that was uh, I think that comes with, um, some of the shot selection stuff that, that the team maybe wanted to clean up early on, understandably. He's, he's mm-hmm. a guy who always feels like, if I can get a shot off, I can make a shot. Um, well, he jumps now, so high always, on his jump yeah. shot that nobody can contest it. So, <laughs> Exactly. And we've all, seen that, we've all seen that despite a good contest, he's seen, he raises right over the top and makes it. And you're like, dang, maybe, uh, maybe let's just see that the next uh, you know, 10 times in a row. But that's not the reality of, of the team situation. And when you've got Jokic, who's you know the current best player in the world you've got jamal coming off of just a an insane finals playoff run finals run and you also got mike though who is you know i i don't know how well um i'm sure you guys because you guys have have spent time with him but obviously i i i stay with him when i come in town um this is a guy who really wants to win and it's very important for him to win and to for their team to win and so he's not a, a numbers guy or like, oh, man, I just want to get, you know, if I had this many shots or this many. Of course, there's games where I think that, that we wish he, uh, you know, would get some more looks. And there's other games where you're like, hey, here's the right decision. Here's the right play. But he's done a really good job of, one, I think, the shots that he is taking. The, the getting to the rim is a very important thing that I think fits within the team uh, oh, dynamic of what they need. Yeah, uh, committing himself to not just defensively, which he's made good, very good strides in, but also rebounding. Obviously, averaging a career high, you know, I think it's eight point one maybe right now in, in rebounds. And if you take out a, a small stretch here or there, he's he's been a pretty consistent double double the last handful of weeks. Um, yep. So you add those in, and then but it's a, it is always a fine line of all right, how do I? You know, if, if I was in his shoes, it'd be a tough thing sometimes to think, okay, how how can I be properly aggressive? And then when I sit back sometimes, am I being too passive? But I think he's done such a good job, and I think that, that both he and the team and everybody will continue to, you know, I think even get even more looks moving forward. But he's done a really good job of being efficient with what he's trying to do. Um, early in the season, we looked at some of his in, – in, he had kind of an early struggle at the beginning of the year. And one of the big things I point out to him – um, just going through some of like the analytics stuff was that it was the high, it was the most reliant he has ever been on his three pointer um, mm-hmm. early in the season. And, you know, as a top five shooter in the world, like, like Mike is, especially when he's, when he's dialed in, like he normally is him taking 10 threes a game can be a really good thing. But if you're taking 10 threes a game and you've shot 11 total shots on the game, now we're, now we're pigeonholing ourselves into on nights when you're not hitting your shot, you're not being very effective. And right. what he's done a good job of now is uh, I think there's times he can even, uh, that maybe he turns down some, some, uh, some threes to get to the mid range or get to the rim a little bit, which is okay. I think that, I think that players, when they're focused on the right thing, there's going to be a little overcorrection sometimes. Uh, but now it's really balanced itself out. Well, where the, the, the three balls falling again, he's taking them in, in good high volume while also getting, you have three or four shots at the rim, a couple of offensive rebounds, get two or three shots in the mid range. And then on, on a, on a night when everything's clicking, also getting, uh, you know, four plus free throws a night. So he's doing a great job. I think that the team is, is, uh, has, you know, there's been ups and downs, obviously weather in the storm through Jamal's early injury stuff, but Mike's been, Mike's been great. And I think his, he's really now kind of hitting his stride where I think that, uh, not just the personal numbers, obviously, but the team success is going to, uh, going to continue gelling and i think that it's he's gonna be a big reason big reason why and he's probably getting close to completely over that ankle injury that 
I at least feel like probably affected him earlier in the season too. It definitely affected the, the, the two main things that I know he's talked about. It affected his balance on his shooting. Yeah. He because, has talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because any, and it's a, it's funny, even the smallest little thing. And it's not like every time it came down, it's like, you know, excruciating pain, but when you feel it, uh, you have a tendency to, and again, I'm a, I'm a film guy. So I sent him a lot of shots early in the season that was like, Hey, uh, we're having a lot of one footed landings here on our three when we're again, it's different when you're shooting like a fadeaway or you have to beat a shot clock, but on a catch and shoot three, when you're open, you don't need to shoot and land one footed. And he would, he would respond and be like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's the ankles in my head, just a little bit of, of like just landing on it. I feel it a little bit and that's gotten, you know, that's improved a lot throughout. And then he also, it was one of the reasons he was so three point reliant early on was makes sense. He'd just come off the ankle injury. He'd also missed the whole preseason. Um, and for him, it's always like, what's your sharpest tool in your bag? And he's like, shoot, I can have, uh, you know, obviously hyperbole here, but I can be out there with, with uh, you know, barely able to move. And I feel like I can hit a bunch of threes. Like, that's yeah. how Mike, Mike's like, I can, I can shoot with the best of them always. Yeah. Uh, but then once his, once his, his body was, his ankle was feeling much better. Now he's like, okay, now we get the end game reps making the reads, attacking closeouts. His first step has gotten quicker. You just see he's lighter on his feet. He's also even just, I look at small things of, uh, you know, he's gotten more dunks recently. He had a very yep. nice dunk in the in the Suns game. Like when Mike's dunking the ball, he's feeling pretty good. Sure. When, when he goes when he goes a, away from, when he has some opportunities to dunk and he's not, it's usually either just, you know, sometimes it's just fatigue and then other times it's like, yeah, the, you know, the ankle or, or certain things sometimes creep up, but. Uh, he's doing a great job so far. Michael, I feel like I could talk about um, Michael Porter all day, but thanks so much for uh, giving me some time. And um, yeah, I really appreciate it, man. Let me know when you're in Denver and we'll definitely uh, get a drink or something. Absolutely. it's. Uh, I don't know the dates off the top of my head because I don't have my schedule in front of me, but sometime in the next few weeks, uh, probably next couple weeks, actually, um, I'll be back over there. So I'll definitely let you guys know, and uh, we'll have to connect for sure. Yeah, sounds good, man. Appreciate it. All right. I'll see you. Thanks to Michael Messer for hopping on the podcast, dropping some knowledge on Michael Porter Jr. Um, I don't think he's a vegan still. I don't. I did not get to that question with him, but um, I, I don't think he's still vegan. I don't. Uh. Yeah, great interview there. Dropped a lot of knowledge. He he had some insight on Michael Porter that I've never heard before, so it was great talking with him. Guys, if you're looking for a great holiday gift for your dad, a friend, keep it easy, keep it simple. Hit up Breckenridge Distillery. Pick up some Breckenridge bourbon for them. Best bourbon around. Breckenridge Distillery is the world's highest distillery. Founded in 2008, they're most widely known for their blended bourbon whiskey, a high rye mash American-style whiskey. Breckenridge Bourbon, one of the most highly awarded craft bourbons in the entire United States. Uh, So you can go to BreckenridgeDistillery.com. They have products available in all 50 states. Shop your local retailer, or you can go there, BreckenridgeDistillery.com, for home delivery of their award-winning Breckenridge spirits. So if you're looking for a holiday present, Keep it simple. Give somebody a bottle of bourbon. Nobody's ever been mad at getting bourbon for uh, around the holiday season. Guys, if, you, um, if you're busy, if you work a lot, if you don't have a lot of time to cook, check out Factor Meal Kits. I tried a bunch of these a couple weeks ago. Factor sent me a nice little care package. I got seven meals. Seven days later, they were all gone. This is really good stuff. Uh, you just keep them in your fridge. They're ready-made meals. Pop in the microwave for two minutes. Boom, they're good to go. Uh, So you can skip the stress of meal prepping over the holidays with Factor. Choose from 35-plus weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences. All delivered right to your door. And like I said, ready to eat in two minutes. Uh, They're healthy, calorie-conscious, uh, you feel good after eating them. Uh, it's really good stuff. They have tons of different options, too. Just go to their website, pick out what you want, get delivered right to your door. Go to factormeals.com slash DNVR50. 
factormeals.com slash DNVR50 to get 50% off. 50% off. Uh, DNVR50 at factormeals.com. Finally, uh, check out Shady Rays, shadyrays.com. You can use the code DNVR, get 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by 250,000 people. They've also got a physical location at Park Meadows Mall, a full stop shop for all things Shady Rays. But just go to shadyrays.com, browse their entire website. They got a style and a color for everybody, no matter what you're into. Uh, shadyrays.com, use the code DNVR, 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. All right, back here on the Denver Sports Podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, wrapping up with some mailbag questions. Only got time for a couple, uh, but I'll get through a few here uh, as we wrap up on this week's show. Friend of the show, Mike Olson, asks, uh, what does Joker's arc for this season look like, both in terms of output, but also happiness? Dude seems in a funk, even with usually amazing numbers. Uh, Mike also writes a column on thednvr.com if you're interested in, in reading he's a great writer and with great insight what does joker's arc look like for the rest of the season well right now he's averaging 28.6 points that's the most in his career 12.9 rebounds that's also a career high 9.8 assists that's tied with what he had last year which is also a career high i expect his scoring to drop mainly because jamal murray's back and I don't know if it's actually in the best case of Nikola Jokic to try to score this much for the rest of the season. Uh, so I expect his scoring to drop. Um, and with that, and with Jamal Murray coming back, I think he kind of gets out of this funk that he might be in right now. Uh, T. Sweezy asks, are the Timberwolves the team that the Nuggets are most likely to try to avoid having on their side of the playoff bracket come April? I think so. I think Minnesota right now is clearly, without a doubt, the toughest matchup for the Nuggets, and I don't think it's close. Uh, to me, it's the Timberwolves and then probably the Suns and Lakers in that next tier. Uh, but in my opinion, it's it's Minnesota clearly that Denver would not want to play. I think they're both the Nuggets' toughest matchup and the team that the Nuggets would definitely not want to play the most. Uh, this comes from Mile High Addy. Do you think Zeke will be shipped or traded at the deadline if they continue to play him as a five? He has almost no role on this team. I don't think Zeke is done with the Nuggets. I mean, DeAndre Jordan has played in three straight games. I think the Nuggets will try Zeke Naji again, maybe tonight against Houston. I don't think DeAndre Jordan played great the other night against the Clippers. Um, look, Zeke Naji has not been great so far this season, but I think people are sleeping on him a little bit and being a little harder on him than they probably should be. Uh, so I, I actually do think he probably still has a role with this team going forward this season. Will he get traded? I'll say unlikely. Uh, Zeke signed an extension before this season. That extension doesn't kick in until next season with that the case it's actually kind of tough to trade him with how the salaries work and how they could match up um so i'd say it's unlikely he gets traded still possible for sure uh, but i don't think zeke is somebody who you should write off as contributing this season finally blair chimes in last year clearly there was a singular focus on winning a championship for the nuggets they talked about it from training camp. It feels like the focus is different from an outsider. Is the focus singular like last year, or is it maybe more on development for sustained success? This is a great question, and I think last year I agree. Their sole focus was on winning a championship. I think this year, and I've talked about this on our Nugget show, Calvin Booth is on Project Dynasty. What he did in the draft, what he did the rest of the offseason – the Nuggets want a sustained championship window. They want to be a dynasty. So I think the Nuggets would rather not win the championship this, this season and then win it the next year and maybe win it three times in five years instead of winning it two times in a row. Um, 
So I kind of see what you're saying. I think the Nuggets would trade not winning the championship this year for winning it like three times over the next five or six years. Um, you can just tell that's what they're thinking based on the draft. The Nuggets pick three players in the, like the top 40, signed them all to standard deals. They're trying to develop those guys. Julian Strawler's already playing this season. Peyton Watson's a big part of what this team is doing. Denver definitely wants sustained success over just one championship this season, going back to back and then being done. Guys, thanks for hanging out on this edition of the Denver Sports Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Michael Porter Jr.'s NBA skills coach. Uh, if you could, drop us a quick like. If you're listening to this as a podcast, uh, leave me a five-star review. Leave me a rating. Really appreciate that as well. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Talk to you guys next week. Like the mayor.